Hello all, welcome to the Literacy Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 484, and today I'll be talking about Pepper's Funeral from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, uh, thankfully, this is not a funeral for Pepper, merely one administered <laughs> by him. Yes, this is some Steven Universe episode name and description shenanigans. Like, really? Pepper's Funeral? <laughs> Imagine this being a leak for season six episode titles and you see this as the fourth episode at summer camp island and you're like oh okay so i guess he just died they're dropping like flies <laughs> yep scotty finally found him <laughs> oh god uh but is pepper as a cloud is this an established part of clouds that they sort of manage this aspect of life sort of grieving i i don't remember this as the mythology of clouds this is this is completely new. I don't know if this is just a pepper thing or <laughs> uh, if they decided to give clouds a little higher aspirations in life than being punched in the face by a giant. Yeah, I mean, this helps flesh out. Uh, and, you know, clouds are ephemeral and, you know, so he's helping reflect on that. Clouds are also, I think they're like the first thing as a kid that I can think of where you learn that a thing can be good and bad and neutral at the same time, right? Like, oh, it's raining outside. Maybe I can't play outside. But, oh, it's raining outside. The plants grow. And also the pollution is taken out of the air and put into the ground. Like, it's this, you know. <laughs> and, and so somehow, yeah, we're transitioning, right? This this relationship with Ramona. And it's such a, such a not not a subtle framing, but... Uh, this is a weird thing to like uh teach children right like pepper's statement on you know we are here today to mourn a future that could have been that is a very adult concept (laughs) children do not think about you know what is the life i could have in the future and then oh i've lost it and i'm i feel sad about that That, that's a very distinctly adult feeling (laughs) to be like i missed out on a relationship or a career or whatever And it's so interesting to have Pepper be the one giving the eulogy here, or, you know, just leading the service, because starting in season four, Pepper became... Susie's greatest simp? (laughs) uh, Not just her greatest simp, but yes, that is true. He became much more childlike at at the same time. He, like, aged down by a couple years at the same time he developed a fascination for Susie. I guess it just makes it a funny juxtaposition, right? Like, he is the sleepy little baby of the group. And he has the squeaky voice while he's talking about how, uh, you know, very mature concepts. We're going to let go of being resentful for something we didn't have so we can enjoy the good thing we do have. (laughs) Yes, perfectly summarized by a a peach, which somehow both Ramona and... Susie have the exact same sentence on. This is some kind of saying about a sweet (laughs) treat just for now. (laughs) And then they munch into it. Uh, Speaking of the peach, by the way, I love the just tiny little through lines we have episode to episode. Like, you know, we start the episode with Oscar still in his underwear. And then and then we have the follow up on why the peach was important. Like Susie needed it for this ceremony. This early in the series, they are preparing us for the idea that there are going to be story arcs, but the stories are still mostly self-contained, just uh, just with these little references between. But uh, it'll get much more story-y in not too long, actually. 
I, I, I love that general structure, right? That way it kind of eases us from kind of the structure that most of Summer Camp Island has been in into the final stretch of, you know, wrapping up and, and having some nice, you know, continuous storyline for Susie and for saving magic. It's very seamless. Yeah, it just it just happens. This is what really kicks the plot into gear, though. This this puts us into crisis mode. A crisis that Pepper didn't understand, right? He he keeps trying to dismiss these little storm clouds appearing as as party crashers and telling Susie to ignore them. Is this just because he wants this ceremony to go well and he's just trying to be dismissive? Or does he understand, you know, he's a cloud. Does he understand the source of these clouds and that they are, a, you know, sign of worse weather to come? I think he thinks they're just some jerk clouds who are trying to get into an invite-only event. He he just wants to be a, a good official of this funeral. He, he doesn't need party crashers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the way he says it seems like he's trying to put it off, but I, I think it is, yeah, just to that goal that he just doesn't want to be dealing with them. He's like, oh, it's okay, we can ditch him. You know, Susie might say these things, and she's trying to delude herself. Uh, Pepper is saying these things because he does not know what the clouds are. <laughs> right. So at the at the funeral, Susie, she hasn't thought much about what it would have been like if they had saved magic. But she goes through the whole story, including the souvenir shop and uh, that that retirement to the porch swing in Massachusetts that we got to see when uh, when she was having a, a happy dream about Ramona. <laughs> just friends, by the way. Yep, still just friends, but uh, and this is about as extreme as they get. I mean, it's, it's so funny in a, in a... I mean, so funny. I don't know. It is funny that in a post-Steven Universe, post-Shira world, that Summer Camp Island has decided to restrain itself and say, yeah, look at these best friends who just want to retire to Massachusetts together and act exactly like a couple. But you know what? I'll, I'll let them have it. <laughs> to be fair to them, they might not even be doing that. Uh, we might just be making fun of them unnecessarily because she does say, I love you to, to her uh, in, in, that, uh, in that dream sequence. So they're... But they don't really get what we would identify as romantic. They just settle into... Uh, what you would expect a long-term, like, old married couple to be like, uh, and with none of the romance getting us there. Yeah, and and I think part of that is, I mean, the show certainly has romance in it. Like, we had the whole, you know, planet of, uh, what, what are those creatures? The aliens? The, the aliens, but what, what Earth-like animals do they look like? Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to say what exactly they are. It's some kind of little puppy little dogs, teddy bear, yeah, puppy type things. Teddy, teddy bear, puppy dogs, or puppy dog teddy bears. Yeah, they're like a whole non-binary alien species. Seems to be a trend on Cartoon Network. Uh, that you know have these you know romantic relationships, and you know we spend a lot of time in in the show on that. So you know it's not shying away from queer themes or anything. So I, yeah, I just think the show is about friendship and. Maybe an element of friendship is this romance and deep love. And so we, you know, just see it here and uh, who knows, <laughs> you know, I guess it's kind of similar to Oscar and Hedgehog, right? Like they, it, there could have been a romantic element. That's what the pilot thought it was going to do. Oh, and... Thank goodness they didn't. <laughs> that I hate love triangles. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Their love is um, really pure, but I think kind of like in Steven Universe, where the original pitch between Steven and Connie was like, it's going to be this pure childlike romance that isn't, you know, explicitly romantic. They just kind of like are bestest friends and they assume all these things about each other and maybe they think they're going to grow up and date each other, but whatever. And then inevitably it just became explicitly romantic anyway and quite nuanced. So, you know, sure, like something along those lines is happening here where the original value is like best friends for life. But, you know, where where Susie's heart really is, is somewhere farther along and, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Susie gave up the first bite on that peach to Ramona, and that was a really nice looking peach. So that means a lot. Well, the second bite, <laughs> because they even... Still drew the peach with the one bite out of it from the, uh, you know, imaginary head of Harvard. That's a nibble. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nibble. Uh. <laughs> and we could always blame Stuart. Right. Stuart, who, was he real? Was he not? I mean, the bite was real. The world that Hedgehog was in was real. I, I can't analyze it further. <laughs> but there is a multiverse or something happening. I guess there is kind of a multiverse, too, based on upcoming episodes or some you know these yeah. alternate realities but it's complicated yes <laughs> but yeah okay yeah the uh, the drawing style of Susie's fantasy was awesome the watercolors very pretty watercolor and and kind of uh childlike right which really reflects that um, childlike imagination and god i just love her really speedy narration and just the not the mannerisms, but the, the, you know, the way she phrases things is just so funny. And I could honestly listen to dozens of hours of her telling stories like that. Like, I want a, I want a podcast of Susie just talking about her fake, amazing, fun adventures with Ramona. There, it is just immensely entertaining. If she did that every single episode, I don't think it would ever get old. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. There's something just so appealing to it. Also, there's... I don't know what it is. I I, I need to be better at analyzing <laughs> textual media. But I, I love the music artist Courtney Barnett from Australia Down Under. And she has this similar style too in, in her music. This like really plain, could be fast way of talking. And also kind of, I don't know, the, the perspective of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of a ridiculous perspective. The way that, you know, Susie imagines, yeah, we're going to jump off a ramp and... Go, it, you know, it's going to be perfect and we're going to land on the other side. And the way she just breezes past all those things. Nobody thinks we're going to make it, but we do. Right. That like just brash confidence and skipping past details is funny. It's not just brash confidence. It's it's like cartoon logic, like the souvenir shop music keeps playing. So we have music as we ride. And it's like physically impossible, but in a cartoon or in a dream sequence. Hey. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, And yeah, she just like imagines this badass future with her and Ramona. And I <laughs> I just think that's great. My favorite part is the two shirts for free because they got our faces on them. Yes. <laughs> like that. She's coming up with these conclusions ahead of time that just, you know, happen in an instant. Oh, we saved magic and they've already printed T-shirts of us and we get them for free. <laughs> uh, it's It's so Susie and I love Susie. Um, I was a simp for Susie before you were Pepper. You're going to have to move over. <laughs> That's right. We have the timestamps on the YouTube videos to prove it. <laughs>
Yeah, unfortunately, this means that Hedgehog, uh, who could have gotten more focus after becoming a full witch, instead got a uh, plain seltzer and single airline pretzel bag party. Which, you know, to her, that's what she wanted, maybe, actually. Just a low-key night. Well, she she came to enjoy it, although I don't think that the alligator chef's gonna like what happens to that picture that Oscar took his knee to. And is that the first confirmation that that witch actually was uh, directly related to those alligators? Um, are you thinking of Mallory? Because that wasn't a picture of Mallory. Oh, really? I guess that would make sense because the witches are kind of, like, off on their own on a coven. They're not getting hitched and having families. But I just thought it looked like Mallory. <laughs> so, whoops, I got my alligators mixed up. Well, she is the right species. And possibly the right age? I mean, remember, Mallory said she wanted to be a lonely old hag. Yeah, <laughs> like a true witch. Which, by the way, I love that... Be that hag, Mallory. I love the way that... Just thinking of Hag reminds me of Hedgehog getting pulled over by Susie and Susie being like, you have been accused of being a witch by Friar whoever. Friar Shark. <laughs> do you, uh... How do you plead? Guilty. Yes. As charged. <laughs> uh, I, I guess uh, I guess Susie has probably had some run-ins with a, with a witch hunter or two. Uh, she had some very disagreeable third wave pilgrims on her route there. <laughs> Yeah, thank goodness nothing like uh, the Boiling Isles problem <laughs> from the Owl House. Like, not not the storyline that we have to deal with here. Only only a little bit of prejudice in this one. Susie would have hurt Bello so badly. That's a matchup I kind of want to see just because of the inevitable result. <laughs> I mean, unless he pulled a prophecy out on her. Right. Then he might get her. Very vulnerable to being made the protagonist, Susie is. <laughs> yeah, she can't help it. Oh, man. It is unfortunate that uh, she worked so hard to deal with this baggage with Ramona. And pretty immediately, <laughs> as Ramona points out, it's like, yeah, out with the old baggage, in with the even older baggage. Yep, I, I love that. Don't sell yourself short, Ramona. You're my only source of pain. <laughs> and that's exactly the type of sense where I, I just know I love this show. It is so beautifully childlike and whimsical with its music and visuals and yet it delivers lines like that like the the ultimate themes and like what story it's telling with Susie <laughs> and being able to just whip out lines like that yeah <laughs> you're my greatest pain it, it, it just marks this such a special show <sighs> we we lost a good one with summer camp island hey no much like this episode reflects on you know losing something yeah, we're losing something, but unlike <laughs> Susie's future with Ramona, which never happened, we actually got six seasons of this beautiful show. That is true. We we did get we did get some good stuff, and we should we should be happy for what we did get. But there's really not much to not much to talk about with the with the party. I just want to comment that uh, perhaps the outfit that Hedgehog magicked up for Oscar was a little more magical than she intended. Because his tie and cummerbund start out as red, but after the funeral is complete, they switch over to blue, and they stay that way. Well, that is a very weird detail, and I almost wonder if it could be attributed to lighting, because by the end of the episode, it's dark outside? It is darker outside, but that's, uh, that is clearly blue, not red in the shadow. 
Well, you know, Summer Camp Island is alone in making animation errors. Um, they've never happened before, so I am disappointed in this. Yep, never. I, I did learn that one other cartoon ever in the history of the universe did have an error once, apparently. The 1933 or whatever year, Bambi, they're like zooming in on some, uh, uh, is it turtles at one point or some other animal? And one of them just pops out of the frame for the rest of the shot. And that was the only <laughs> other time it ever happened. But uh, it's a cool one. <laughs> yeah, it, it might have been intentional. Like I said, it's a magical, it's a magical tux. You can't say that it's not intentional. Exactly. Definitely blue in the, in the bright light after the tornado was <laughs> gone, so... Right. It's there's there's no way it's just the lighting. What that really reminds me of is how fans talked about the lighting in like the homeworld kindergarten of Steven Universe for a very long time. <laughs> like before and after the episode, like what color things were and then later seeing some characters not in that environment, but on like an earth environment. Uh color is uh, a really fascinating part of this uh process of making cartoons because it actually doesn't happen early on, right? Some some of the colors happen much later. <laughs> and, you know, it are adjusted for different lighting conditions and whatever, so. Yep. It's actually quite, quite cool. I love so much that the Steven Universe crew posted all of those sheets on their Tumblr account so you could see, oh, this is what they look like during the daytime. This is their nighttime color palette. Mm, beautiful. Although, man... We got completely the wrong idea about Kevin's outfit during the during the rave. Oh, right. Because, it, well, it looks like bright bluish neon and purple, but then it looks totally different <laughs> in in the Tokyo Drift parody. Yep. And when he gives uh, Clarence his invitation to the party. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Clarence? I meant Steven. <laughs> Wait, why did you just call Steven Universe Clarence from the amazing... But off forgotten <laughs> Cartoon Network series, Clarence? Because it was uh, because of the line he said, huh? Your name is Steven? Weird. I thought your name was like Clarence or something. That's so funny. I forgot that meta joke. That's honestly hilarious <laughs> to be like, oh, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're they're both um they're both very happy children with very good friends. Isn't that all that matters? And they both have a friend with a square head. So that's True. two for two. Well, one is his mother. Also, I forget what the little baldish kid with the spiky hair is, but he's basically Amethyst, right? So case closed. All right. Anything further to add on <laughs> Pepper's funeral? No. Uh, rest in peace, Pepper. You will be missed until your next appearance. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Pepper's Funeral. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 